creating employee engagement results. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Oh boy, y'all, I'm pumped to illuminate the employee engagement journey at Roadrunner Sports. Sapita Sheffa, VP of Operations at Roadrunner Sports, is here today. And also with us is my friend Brandon Miller, CEO of 34 Strong, the consulting company that has guided Roadrunner to create significant employee engagement impact. This show, Gut Plus Science, was created to highlight employee engagement learnings and mentorship and all of that. And the Gut Plus Science name comes from like a hybrid of data mixed with learnings and failures and gut intuition and things like that. And so I am just so excited about this show because it's this testimony of great work put in by leaders of a company with a consulting firm that is excellent in what they do. And I just get to dive in and illuminate the conversation. So I'm so excited. We're going to get to it with Sapita and Brandon. Here we go. All right, guys, it's unique for us to have two guests and the guests representing two different brands. Sapita, tell us about Roadrunner Sports and how you came together with 34 Strong to drive employee engagement in the organization. Sure, thank you. Well, Roadrunner Sports is a running retail specialty company. We have 43 stores across the U.S., opening three more this year. We are omni-channel, so we have a strong website presence as well. And we are dedicated to providing our customers the best fit possible. And we do this through a unique fit process that we have in our stores and on our website, where we take a 3D scan of your feet and we can measure your feet and look for imbalances. And from there, recommend the best fitting shoes, insoles, anything that's going to help you get that perfect fit. What makes us unique is our fit process, definitely, but it's also our team out in the field, over the phones. If you go visit our stores, you will see a highly engaged, energized, passionate team that loves what they're doing and loves fitting customers and making them actually changing their lives. Because when you have the best fitting shoes and you could go out and run and walk or even be on your feet all day and you're comfortable and you don't feel pain, the best thing out there. So yeah, that's what we do and that's who we are. Awesome. And I can totally relate when I have like an amazing pair of shoes and I definitely need to try you all's because when we were prepping before, I was like, I need to get me a pair of these. It's just, it's just the difference and just the sustainability of being able to walk and all of that. So yes, it is so life-giving. So tell us a little bit, we're creating this episode today around the employee engagement results that you've seen inside the organization. I'm about to bring Brandon into our conversation as well, but just share with us, how did this partnership with 34 Strong begin? Sure. Well, it began, I want to say two years ago, and our president met Brandon in one of those executive retreats and was really intrigued with what 34 Strong does around employee engagement. We've dabbled in programs in the past. But this one really resonated because it really centered around our team. And 
when you have an engaged team, and Brandon's team really made, helped us realize this, when you have an engaged team, all the other goals and metrics that you have are so much easier to accomplish, right? Because the team is more productive. They want to be there. They're going to drive results. They're going to want to stay. Your retention goes up. And so all of these things that Brandon's team painted that picture for us really made us realize how important this is. We'd never taken a, such a big step around employee engagement in the past. And we're thrilled that we have. It's our number one initiative in our company above all else. Mm, that's amazing. And so Brandon, actually, I want to loop in right now real quick, the cause behind 34 Strong, just to make sure that listeners know who you all are and what you do. And then I'm going to start to ask you some questions about the first steps and partnerships. But Tell us a little bit about the heart and the cause behind 34 Strong and what you all specialize in. Sure. So we, we love to build highly engaged, strengths-based organizations that are known as employers of choice or great places to work, literally winning awards. And our mission as a company is we're on a mission to a million smiles. And so recently there was a stat released that when somebody enjoys where they work, 87% of them will smile and laugh more often in life, at home. And so we love to partner with organizations that want to think about their people as the priority, that their team is first, that they know if they do a great job building a highly engaged and engaging organization, that as Sapita said very well, all of your other key performance metrics fall under that, and then you just see incredible outcomes coming through. Amazing. So Brandon, talk a little bit about the first steps you took in working alongside Roadrunner Sports to work towards creating these employee engagement results. Yeah, as Sapita said in meeting her president, Michael Godprinson, we started a conversation around the level or percentage of his people leaders who would be characterized as engaged at work. And in the meeting Sapita referred to, I had shared that the national average of engagement among people leaders sits somewhere around 35%. And he thought, well, I should probably see where mine are at. I have over 100 of them, then it probably would be helpful to know what that looks like for us. So he had an idea of what that might look like. Other leaders had other ideas. It was almost like we were taking polls and seeing what people thought. And so we did a survey and we did a survey that literally takes a person less than five minutes to complete. And in the survey, they score on 12 indicators. And with that, we can tell an organization the percentage of engagement, the percentage of disengagement, and even very important, the level of active disengagement. And so when this score came back, uh, Michael and the team uh, got to sit and listen to what the score told us. And even more importantly, why it told us that. So we get to see the score. We get to see what team members would actually write in on what we call the verbatim questions. And that launched us because they determined by that score, they had room to improve, that they were not where they wanted to be, actually close to where Mike thought they would be at the time. He said, you know, I actually thought we might come in about this level. And it was in the neighborhood of what the national average was. So he thought, okay, I thought we might be somewhere close to that with our hundreds of leaders. Let's begin the process now of thinking about how do we make that better? How do we improve it? And I'll tell you, Nikki, what Mike really responded to in, in our conversations was this thought 
that after 34 Strong has talked to thousands of senior executive leaders, and we asked them the same question, how many of you have programs that teach your middle managers how to engage your folks? And the answer that comes back is less than 5% have any significant training. And Mike raised his hand and said, well, we don't really have those types of programs. And that's where a big part of our partnership took off from there. Brandon, I want you to define active disengagement real quick. Absolutely. So when we think of active disengagement, a great way to describe it is the acronym CAVE dwellers. So a CAVE dweller consistently against virtually everything you're trying to accomplish in your organization. And so these are the folks that they've graduated out of just going through the motions, trading you time for money. We call those disengaged folks. And that's that's actually the majority of the workforce, almost half. Active disengagement takes on an entirely different tone. They're now saboteurs. They're working against us. They are not content to stay quiet. So they're usually recruiting in the wrong way inside of your organization. And as reported by all of the data that measures such things, they are very, very ad nauseum, very expensive workers to carry inside of any organization. Hmm. Thank you for that. And here's the deal, listeners, we need to know who they are. And the only way to do that, I mean, let's say the most powerful way to do that is to measure really, and really start to figure out how to hone in on that group. Like we need to know who they are. These people are working against everything that you wake up with your energy to do every day. So I just want to make sure that we define that because I learned that term a few years back and it's powerful. I would add to that, you know, Nikki, that comment, and I think you're exactly right. Not only know who they are, but let's know how they got there. Yeah. You know, a question we would ask executive leaders is, have you ever seen this phenomenon? A really strong employee, you would call them engaged. And then over time, you watch them drift to this place of disengagement, and then eventually to this active disengagement. It's like watching slow motion torture. No, don't do it. And they get there and you're left wondering, how did that happen? And what we simply help reframe is it's not how, it's who is how it happened. Mm -hmm. Disengagement occurs because of the relationship one has with their direct boss. Whoever they call their boss impacts at minimum 70% of whether they will stay engaged or not and work. So as much as we need to know who they are, we also need to know, well, who leads them Mm -hmm. and what's happening in that relationship that might be causing or triggering this kind of response from a team. Hmm. Sapita, I'm about to dive into the Rise Academy. I cannot wait because I'm just so excited to highlight one of your favorite and key initiatives. Real quick though, Brandon, I would love if you could think of the first or one of the big light bulb moments that you remember among the Roadrunner leadership team as you were beginning? Like, it was like, oh, do you remember that? Remember something there? Absolutely. So Mike is the president of of the company and his father, Mike also, who goes by Chief Runner, he's the CEO. And we had a meeting where Mike essentially said, okay, my CEO, my dad, he's got to be on board. And so we had this conversation with Chief where we started to look at the KPIs, so the key performance indicators that impacted employee engagement or were impacted by employee engagement. And I can remember the meeting where he said, well, this just makes business sense. This is just reasonable. And I said, yeah, you know, most CEOs, when you look at a place to invest into your workforce, because this company, what I I so appreciate about them is they have what's called the wow experience for their customers. And everything Sapita was describing about that fit process. I have gone through it. I love my Roadrunner shoes. I love that they really fit my feet. And for a guy that stands a lot of his day getting to talk, huge. 
But the wow experience transferred from customer to how do we make that experience with our people? How do we do that internal was a big moment between Chief and Mike around, let's think about that and then carrying that to their executive team and the absolute buy-in. So it's really cool to work with organizations that think, yes, good idea, add it to the list. It's going to be one of our imperatives. Roadrunner went further. They put it at number one. They said, this is the most imperative we have. And this came, of course, after seeing some positive results of their, from their efforts. But as that, they've really had that aha and taken it forward. Mm. And then they quickly became one of your very favorite clients. So you're like, yes, top of the list stuff. This is great priorities. So I see why we're here with Sapita today to tell the story. This is awesome. Sapita, I've heard about, and we talked a little bit before about one of these key initiatives is called the Rise Academy. Tell us about this. How did it come to be? Sure. Well, Rise Academy is our internal training and development program that we've taken, built based off the learnings we've had with 34 Strong. So we knew that we can bring Brandon's team in and they can help build the foundation for us, which is what they've done. They've given us the right tools and trainings and foundation. But Brandon, to his credit, has always been an advocate of helping us build that structure, and then you take it over. Because this isn't a one-shot deal, right? Training isn't a one-shot deal. It's got to be continuous, and it's got to be ongoing. So that's where RISE Academy came in. RISE Academy is our internal program, and it's really supporting our ongoing training and development efforts. We've got a team of star builders, we call them, which are trained to coach and train all of our leaders in the company around the fundamentals behind strengths finders, behind leadership development. And we've gone even as far as dedicating a role to Rise Academy. We shifted our training and development manager's role from a training and development role. We promoted her to director of employee engagement, and she sees oversees all of Rise Academy. And so It's a great program. It's 90 minutes every month. Every leader in the organization gets some level of training. So it starts with knowledge, right? We train them on knowledge. We train them on skills. And then we focus a lot on the behaviors. So they come back every month and we talk about challenges they're facing and how to overcome them. We talk about the engagement level of their team and how they're impacting that. We talk about those that are disengaged and how can we help them move move the needle with those individuals. So it's been this really powerful movement, I'll call it, for Roadrunner Sports because we've never had anything at this level. And the buy-in from the team is outstanding and they really feel supported. They really feel like now we're finally investing in them. And it's ongoing. Wow. And Brandon, can you share with us a little bit? You work with many companies and different leadership programs and all of that. The Rise Academy, how does it stand out from other leadership development and training programs? Like what, yeah, what are the standouts? So each organization that we find real traction with, real success, it starts with the executive sponsor. And that's the position that Sabita holds inside of Roadrunner Sports. So we need liaison into the executive team who is empowered to make the decisions for the sustainability of the program. Because 
as she said very well, one-shot deals or the next fad training or the next program that just blew in because some chief executive saw a cool thing and, hey, let's do it. Those are not only ineffective, they actually can do more harm than good because what people look for as one of the core needs of every follower in an organization is stability. Let me settle into a space where I can have some level of predictability around what I'm going to do and what you want from me. And so when we keep changing the fad approach seasonally, that actually can work against us. And so the executive sponsor, Sapita's role, allowed her to empower a team of trainers and leaders, as she was describing Jessica as our, our director now of engagement and strengths, so that we could build into their system the people that will, we call them ambassadors, their reference to their star builders, those are the ambassadors. These are the ones that are going to carry forward coaching programs, training programs. And if we're successful, as we feel like we are gaining this amazing traction with Roadrunner, we're going to see them take this program and run with it. That's what they've done, pun intended. They have run with this program. They are making it their own. And we love the results they're seeing because now it's truly when they're talking about what they're doing, they speak of it as us, we, it's ours. They're not doing 34 strong. They are becoming 34 strong. Mm. Sapita, what team member success story comes to mind because of the Rise Academy? Oh my gosh. Probably hard to pick just one, but what comes to mind? I can, I'll share an example. I'm sure she wouldn't mind. Our facilities department, right? Team of two. And our facilities manager has been with us for over 30 years. Very dedicated, loyal employee, right? Yeah. And she has taken so strongly to this training and the strengths finder. And, and just she's told me numerous times she's never had this level of leadership training at Roadrunner Sports. And she's been with us for over 30 years. And she has a tool that she can really get behind and she could use. And she's using it to coach her, her team member. And it's helped build their relationship. It's really helped her see what areas she has her, that team member focused on that really don't match her strengths. And so what happens if it's not matching her strengths, she's just, it could lead to disengagement. So Stacy has positioned this team member to take on responsibilities and tasks and role that really play into her strengths. And as a result, she's much happier, right? She's more engaged. And there's so many stories like that across the organization. Leaders, you think that a leader is naturally going to be a good coach and naturally can develop their team. And a lot of leaders do have that strength, but a lot need help with that. And this has provided all of our leaders a tool that they can use now that's going to guide them in that development of their team and that coaching. And so for those that struggled with it, I'm hearing unanimously from the team how much they love these tools and how it's helped build their relationships and made their relationships stronger with their team. So it's hard to pick just one. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm curious, how long has it been since the Rise Academy started? It's been two years, two and a half years. Two years. Now, let's talk about engagement results from baseline and the benchmarks of change and where you are now. But let's start with what you measure. Brandon, do you want to start with that? 
Sure. So when we think about employee engagement and the science of measuring engagement, what we're looking at are the key indicators that we know either move someone toward high performance or away from high performance. A simple way to think about engagement is how well a person performs. And so the, upon the study and work here, Gallup did the hard labor. They spent a decade thinking about, well, what is it that really causes a person to engage? And so they surveyed a million people and they asked each of them 100 questions and sorted through 100 million responses to determine what are the primary engagement drivers. And to their surprise, we hear they landed on 12, only 12 drivers of engagement. And what's interesting about the indicators is when a person is taking the survey, they're going to measure it on a Likert scale. So five being strongly agree with the indicator and one being strongly disagree and three are neutral. And so we look at things like the core need of every person in an organization, the statement, I know what's expected of me at work. It's number one on the list because it's the most important job of any people leader to make sure if you work for me, you are a five out of five on knowing what's expected of you at work. The way we explain this to leaders is that even if, Nikki, today I were to give you this survey and you worked for me and you said, ah, I'm a four, I'm a four out of five, that would essentially be Monday through Thursday, Nikki, you got this thing nailed, but Friday, ah, I don't know what you want me to do on Fridays. That is a 20% decline in your productivity just going from a five to a four. So when the weight of responsibility is understood, to mean I need to make sure Nikki's a five. And if she's not, I want Nikki to be able to come ask me so we can clarify what makes her a five. And so what we learn is that we can see that in the basic needs. I know what's expected of me. I have the resources or material and equipment to do the job. And then the third, what we think is one of the most important indicators is I'm getting to do what I do best every day at work. Not all day at work, every day at work. These are the three primaries. We think these are very basic. And then you get under that into more of what makes me feel like I belong here or organizationally what matters to me. So with these 12, we can then learn based upon the aggregate of the, the entire group surveyed. And so the first thing we think about Nikki is participation. So if the group's 130, we want every single voice to be heard. And we want to hold that survey until we, we have accomplished every single voice. And we can tell the group, okay, here's where we're at. Here's the numbers. And so that gives us the first indicators. How well did we do getting participation? I would say Roadrunner's pretty proud of this one, right, Sapita? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. They're the first group we ever worked with that 100% participation. Yay. Wow. Every single people leader was heard. So we knew our stats were valid. Like this is as valid as you get. And so we measured engagement and then we remeasured it which in some cases I have met senior leaders that do an engagement survey and get this, Nikki, they don't like what they heard. <laughs> they don't like what they see. And so then they go, nah, it's not relevant. I'm, I'm going to reject the science. I'm going to reject this long studied years in the making survey that has been participated with by 40 million people globally. So not a small number because in this survey, you not only find out where your people sit in terms of engaged, disengaged, or active disengaged, you find out what percentage you rank among other organizations. So you're not just left to think, oh, we're a, we're a 4.1 out of 5. We're pretty good. Well, not so fast. Why don't we see how that compares to another cross-section of organizations to see, really? How do we compare? So 
that's where we start with the metric. That's the science. And then the science has to give way to the experience. So we like to say there's the quantitative that gives way to the qualitative because the qualitative now is how are people showing up? What kind of attitude do they have? How do they engage with their team? In what ways are they great partners? And so we look at both. And then people like Sapita in organizations like Roadrunner help us then move it down into the actual function of what leaders will do. So you talked about the standout amazingness of getting 100% participation and participation being so key. On the flip side, as you were talking about leaders that get these results back and then they're like shocked the results, right? One of the worst things that you can do that I've seen so many organizations do is they measure once, get participation, probably not at 100, but they get a lot of people to participate and then nobody hears anything. And so it's like two years later, they're like, oh, hey, we're going to do this engagement survey or whatever kind of survey to get your feedback. And then participation really stinks. It's like, you want to know why? Because we didn't do anything with what you said before. So just noting, I think the worst thing that you could ever do is do it and then do nothing, right? And not communicate with your people. I'm preaching the choir with these two, but just sharing that with all of our, our listeners here. So Sapita, can you talk about the results you've seen and include some starting results? Some that you were like, ooh, starting to see the light and just some excitement there. And then just where you're at now, results-wise. Sure. So as Brandon mentioned, when we first took the original survey, we were about industry average. And we shared those results with every single leader in the organization. And we created a plan based on those results and targeted the key areas that we needed to focus on that were really that we're going to move the mark in terms of engagement. And so what we did was we built a plan. We met regularly with the leaders. We update them on what we're doing. Here are the four key areas that we're focused on to help your engagement. And we update them monthly on the progress of those things. For example, materials and resources came up as one of those areas that we really needed to focus on. We now have a list of multiple things that we are implementing to help our team have the right resources, have the materials that are going to help with not only their engagement, they're going to be more productive and it's just going to make their jobs easier. And if we hadn't taken the survey and hadn't gotten that direct feedback, we may have as an executive team decided, okay, well, we need to invest here and we need to invest there. But getting the team's direct feedback really helped us prioritize where we need to invest when it comes to materials and resources. And we've done that. Knowing what to expect, the team was telling us that they're getting a lot of fire drills. And we came up with a process to prevent, you can't prevent all fire drills, it's business, right? But we came up with a process to help mitigate, to help prioritize. And we've been doing that. And so those are just two examples. But I will share with you, Nikki, that when we started, it was at the beginning, right before the pandemic hit, We were at industry average. We put in a lot of work during the pandemic. We took the survey again last September and we increased our score by 35%. 35% improvement in engagement during a pandemic year where things were completely shifted and, and different. And you know, everyone knows what went on during that time. We improved our engagement. Not only that, We had our best year ever in a 38-year history, best year ever. And 
we're on track to do it again this year. Incredible. That is awesome. Congratulations. Those are results. <laughs> yes. I want to add something to what she said, Nikki, is that what I really appreciated about the leaders at Roadrunner is they were willing to face the music. They were really willing to listen to, we got survey results. Now let's do focus groups. Let's get our people in a room. Let's allow a third-party consultant to connect with them. And let's synthesize those answers so they feel some safety to share. And then let's get those answers up to the executive team so they can take action. And what we warn every organization that goes through this process is you cannot take on all 12. You can't solve it all at once. You're going to pick a few action items. And out of those, it will absolutely cascade to the others. Because what people want to see is that you asked my opinion and perspective, I shared it with you, and you took action. There is no greater way to increase an engagement score than to simply make sure you do this and tell them over and over again what you did. So they're not only hearing it, but they're seeing it. They're seeing it reflected in their day-to-day because as Sapita shared well, I have the material and equipment I need to do my work right, which is the second most important basic indicator of a worker right under expectation. So I know what you want me to do. I'm a five out of five, but do I have what I need to do it? Because if I'm a five out of five on one, but I'm less than a five on two, it actually feels like you're setting me up for failure because I don't have the resources to give you what you're asking me to do. And so the Roadrunner leaders listened very carefully and they made a list and they went to work and they have, they have invested into this. They've really dug down and I've, I've been so impressed at their diligence, at their consistency. The president, Mike Godfordson, does such a great job of reminding the team, here's what we've done. Here's what you said. Here's what we've done. And it's what makes for great places to work because that's what people, that, what more can you ask for? You're asking our perspective. You're continuously improving. I've had executive leaders who've been there as Sapita has been multiple decades say, it has never been better here. It has never been better here than what we're experiencing right now. Wow, so much goodness. And I wanted to ask Sapita, how often do you measure? What's the cadence for measurement? So we've, the cadence now is we do two surveys a year, the full Q12, but we also do pulse surveys in between that to get a gauge of where our team is in between the, the big ones. Okay. And how often are the pulse? Is there a certain cadence for those? Yeah. So we'll do an engagement survey. Then three or four months later, we'll do a pulse survey. Then we'll do another engagement and then another pulse survey. So curious minds want to know before we go, I always like to define things or make sure that there is no question marks. And I remember you mentioned your ambassador team. Can you tell us a little bit more about that before we head out? Uh, So our ambassador team is our star builder team. And these are folks that have been certified to be trainers and coaches. We've got 16 and our goal is to have 25. And these are the folks that are really driving this program forward. They, They do the training, they do coaching, and they help us with focus groups and really help us to make sure that we're able to deliver what we've promised in terms of of the development and training of our team and our leaders. Can't do it with just our training and development department. You've got to have folks across the organization, across departments that will really support and drive and promote the program. Yeah, Nikki, we work with a lot of organizations that have done quote unquote Clifton Strengths or they've worked with Q12. And 
And what we found is that the missing link is often this, this ambassador program. So our internal terminology at 34 Strong, these are C-team, Strengths Engagement Ambassadors. They'll take on some term that fits their organization, but at their core, we're going to train them and we're going to internally certify them to know how to coach with the content, to know how to, to administer training sessions, to know how to continue to build it, but more than anything else, to represent the change, to be able to answer questions, to be able to guide conversations around where the organization says it's important to be. And there's a number that we encourage organizations to look for. 5% of your total headcount is what you're going to aim for. So we could build in time. So you can start with a core team and build in time the 5%. Eventually, some will get to 10. They may even get to 10 because what that represents now is we have people that can come on and off sessions because they usually have a day job and then they can come on and off during different tenure and then they're circulating as part of that team inside of the company. Awesome. I'm so glad that we made sure to talk about that before we're heading out. It was such a treat to talk with you both today. Thank you so much. And we're going to be heading into our fun round to learn, learn a little bit more about the personal side of you. We'll take a quick break here from a partner message and we'll be right back with our lightning round. If you're leading with a people-first mindset, which most likely you are because you're listening to Gut Plus Science, join People Forward Network, the largest community of humans on a shared mission to lead meaningful work. You can find us at peopleforwardnetwork.com or follow People Forward Network on LinkedIn. Hey, it's Nikki, and I'm back with Brandon and Sapita to ask a few fun questions in our lightning round today. So, Sapita. How about a favorite book of all time or a favorite recent read? My favorite book of all time is probably Ernest Hemingway, For Whom the Bell Tolls. I read it in middle school. I've read it several times since then. And yeah, it, it just takes me back to that period of time. Brandon, how about you? So today I have to say Leaders Eat Last, written by Simon Sinek. It's one that I try to go back to each year and listen to it. I think he does such a great job of capturing the heart of effective leadership. And it's one that uh, at 34 Strong, we've allowed that book to help guide a lot of our decisions for how we build our internal organization values and how we help others do the same. Awesome. What's your book, Nikki? Oh gosh, I'd have to say Atomic Habits or High Performance Habits. Those, I'm a habits person. I, I don't know. I love those two books. Thank you for asking. No one's ever asked me that before. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, Sapita, favorite hobby when you're not working? Hiking. We have the most beautiful hikes here, and I love to get out and be out in nature and focus and just spend time alone. It's great. Nature. Nothing like it. <laughs> Brandon, favorite hobby when you're not working? So, I have two travel is one. So I enjoy uh, getting on the road or getting in an airplane, especially with my lovely wife and if possible without children. But if they got to come, they come. It's cool. We take them on trips with us too. And then secondly is coaching. I am passionate about coaching, certainly as part of my profession, but it's something that I get to do either formally or informally in athletics or in mentoring. I really enjoy that practice. Mm-hmm. And Brandon, I have to plug this. You teed it up. You're like, and every once in a while, my wife and I only. So I, ha I just, you just have to share with people. Tell us how many kids and grandkids you have. So my wife and I are the parents of seven children. Three of them are married. So technically we say 10 now. And then we have six grandchildren. 
through the three that are married. And they do some amazing work with building families, like it, you know, like incredible family, another company with Brandon that I've got to know. It's just incredible. And you have books for families and building healthy families and leadership and family. It's just so cool. So I had to plug that. I appreciate it. I think even when we look at what we do professionally for Annalyn and I, my wife, getting to talk to people about strengths-based parenting, so the strengths-based organizations, strengths-based families, that's a real passion as part of when I say coaching. Getting to talk to parents about this is always fun. We were just out this last weekend and a family that we hadn't seen in a while, they're like, hey, are you guys busy? Two hours later, it was all about how their teenagers are in this state. They wanted help and how do we know their strengths? So we love getting to help and do things like that. That's so cool. All right, Sapita, where is your favorite vacation spot? Uh, my favorite vacation spot is Udaipur, India, in Rajasthan, northern India. It's a lake town. It's surrounded by the most beautiful lakes, and it's an, it has a lot of history, obviously. It's just beautiful and peaceful and relaxing, and, and we have family there, so that helps too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. Love that. Brandon, if you have to pick one vacation spot, where is it? Very difficult to pick one, but I would have to say Lake Tahoe, which is two plus hours from where I live, but we just love it there. It's one of our happy places. And whether we're on the lake or in the shops or doing fun adventures, we that's a family favorite from the time I can remember vacation has always been that location. That's cool. All right. And so if our listeners want to connect with you after the show, where do they connect with you? Sapita. They can find me on LinkedIn, Sapita Sheffa on Instagram. <laughs> I'm not really on Twitter or anything like that, but Instagram or LinkedIn. Okay. Awesome. And we'll link that out in the show notes just to make it easy. And Brandon, how about you? If people want to follow up. So LinkedIn, I just type in Brandon Miller, 34 strong. I'll come up but they can also reach out Brandon underscore Miller at 34strong.com and website, same URL, 34strong.com. Okay, such a great episode with Sapita and Brandon. I love partnerships and I love employee engagement and just great people. And it was all of my favorite things. We just had just such a fun time. And here's my truth you can act on from today's episode, learning through the journey of Roadrunner Sports engagement with 34 Strong to impact their employee engagement experience and results. So number one, measure and remeasure. Have a standardized employee engagement assessment and a regular cadence to measure your impact to guide your employee engagement strategy. So it's always like, try something, test it, see what the data says, iterate, right? That is employee engagement at its finest. And I know 34 Strong is so good at that. And it was so cool to see what Roadrunner Sports has done. Number two, your data. So your employee engagement assessment results will guide your actions, but only focus on a few actions at a time. Programs that were mentioned today, like Rise Academy and Star Builders are big initiatives and need a lot of focus. And I think one of the ways to scare yourself away from of doing regular assessments and measuring is way too many action items. And then you're like, oh, I'm not doing that again because I had way too long of a list. So keeping it very simplified and um, being strategic and working with people like 34 Strong to help you pick the right action items based on the data, so important. So 
Your data will guide your actions, but only focus on a few at a time. Number three, consider leadership programs specific to middle managers and how they can help lead engagement. There's such a deficit in the middle manager space of employee engagement programs and impact. There's just so much need there. And so just my truth you can act on question for you is how are you enabling middle managers to help with your engagement efforts? Number four, communicate through all the steps of your employee engagement initiatives and constantly reflect on what's happened and where things are headed. So what have we done? What's in the works? Where are we headed constantly? Most likely we can all communicate more. I kind of always go for the over-communicate thing. It always wins over the, the opposite. I really enjoyed this episode. Like I said, we'll see you next time. Thank you again to Brandon and Sapita. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.